Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. Featuring our guest today, Tom Hinchel, president and podcaster with Essential Communications. Today's show is brought to you by the Business Radio X studio partner program, to lock down your market and own your backyard, go to mybrxstudio.com. Lee, this is going to be a fantastic segment. Please join me in welcoming to the show, again, president and podcaster with Essential Communications, Mr. Tom Hinchel. How are you, man? I'm great. Glad to be here. Well, Tom, before we get too far into things, can you share a little bit about your practice? How are you serving folks? Sure. So I mostly work in Fortune 500 companies at the vice president level and above. And mostly I work with people around what I call the look and sound of leadership. People call that executive presence. I do I work with what I call disruptive executives, people who need to repair damaged relationships. And I do a lot of uh, work with leaders and their teams. Now, how'd you get into this? Were you always uh, coaching uh, executives? You know, this is my second career. I've been coaching since the early 90s, before it was called coaching, actually. Uh, I started as a corporate trainer doing presentation skills, and almost immediately I got asked to work one-on-one with three division presidents, and I just loved it. I was like, this is good, and in those days, you know, coaching wasn't a thing. ICF wasn't around and coaching certification hadn't started yet. It was kind of the Wild West. And uh, a woman who has become a really good friend of mine was starting a coaching company. And she said, I'd like you to join me. And I said, what's coaching? So that's, that's kind of my backstory. <laughs> now, at, at that time, was coaching used to like fix Bill? Because uh, Bill isn't up to par. And uh... Oh, boy. Yes, absolutely. You know, I often say that in those days, if you were getting a coach, you were probably getting fired, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, like we were only given coach, we were given people to coach because the company couldn't fix them. So they wanted us to fix them or they wanted to cover their ass so that they could fire the person, yeah. you know, and, and, and show in a lawsuit like, well, we tried. So, yeah, a lot of times my clients would say to me, I don't want anybody to know I'm getting coaching. Uh, don't come to my office. I'll meet you at Starbucks. But now it's it like was, a perk, right? Right. Yeah. Now it's a badge of honor. Now everybody wants a coach. Right. It It is totally legitimized now. Uh, I, I must say not not 100%, but I want to say 90% of the time, yeah, people are – grateful for the coaching. It's an investment on the part of the company. There is no kind of shame around it. People are grateful for it. Now, coaching, um, since it's become more mainstream, there's lots of different types of coaching. You're doing executive coaching, there's business coaching, and there's life coaching. Can you share maybe the differences between them all? Yeah, sure. So when I think about executive coaching, I think that it is working with a particular leader at a fairly senior level on some development issue that's pretty specific to that person at that time in his or her career. When I think about business coaching, I think about somebody who's going to come in 
and really actually help someone reimagine their business, maybe do strategic work, uh, help the, help the leader reimagine how they're running their business. And often, by the way, then it's someone who has a specific expertise in the industry. And then life coaching is personal exploration. Uh, I Also, life coaching, by the way, is paid for by the individual. The other two are usually paid for by the company. Mm-hmm. But this last one, life coaching, where I'm going to help you, you know, kind of discover your best life, I'm going to make an individual contract with the person I'm working with. And there's no, there's no company looking over our shoulder. And that's more personal and personal growth rather than um, kind of career or grow the business type of conversations. Right. Absolutely. And you mentioned career. That's a fourth kind of coaching. I know a lot of people who specialize in career coaching. And that's the thing. You know, a lot of universities have career coaches. A lot of uh, a lot of companies actually now have career coaches where they're helping people in their careers. So, yeah, that's a very specific thing, too. So now um, when you're working with these executives, this is you're developing relationships with a company and the company is then working with you to say, OK, we're going to um, serve these this individual or maybe a, a level at the company. Right. Yes. So a lot of times I get approached by the person's boss or an HR person who says, you know, hey, we would like you to coach Linda. Um and I haven't even met Linda yet, you know, like, but the company approaches me or I'm being passed around inside of a company. There are many companies where I've been coaching for years. And so I've actually gotten to know many people. Uh, sometimes I'll know the person's boss because I coached the person's boss five years ago, that kind of thing. So now when you're coaching uh, like that internally, um, is the person, like you said, you didn't meet them. But they they've requested a coach, or are they being told to get coaching? Like, don't doesn't the person have to have some level of buy-in in order to get the most out of it? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, and it can go any number of ways. So often, so can I give you an example that's hap- happening right now for me? Yeah, you wanna, well, want me to want me to bring him on the call? Well, I'll call. <laughs> him. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be, that'd be terrific. <laughs> So a woman that I coached years and years ago is leading a big uh, national team. She has one direct report who she literally kind of can't get through to. She can't get him to hear the message she is trying to get him to hear. And it's a development message. And he's just not on board with it. So she reached out to me and said, what do you think? Am I kind of out of my mind? If I can't get him to hear it, do you think you could? And I said, I don't know have you talked to him about coaching? And so she went to him and talked about coaching as an investment and as a career opportunity. And he was excited. He was like, yeah. So I'm going into this guy. He is being given coaching. He did not ask for the coaching, but he is on board and excited about it. And I think the, what, what I often work with the boss or the HR team is to make sure that it does get positioned as an investment. If that's what it really is. I do ask the company quite clearly, are you, is this person's job in jeopardy? If the coaching doesn't go well, is that person going to lose their job? Because if that's true at some point, that person needs to know that. Uh, You know what I mean? It's like 
they need to know they're in jeopardy. And a lot of times the company wants me to be the delivery, the messenger, and I don't want to be that messenger. That's not actually my job. Right. They got to pay extra for that, right? <laughs> yes, because it's high pa- it's hazard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, a lot of your work is in leadership, right? This is um, kind of personal development for the person to do their job better. Yeah, I would say that's true. Uh huh. Yeah, leadership around. Yeah, maybe leading their teams, maybe managing up, uh, maybe going in front of the board of directors, getting their message heard, or this thing that I call the look and sound of leadership. You know, which is the executive presence part. How are you showing up? Sure, I think all of that is under the leadership banner. Absolutely. And then when you're working with these uh, these leaders, they're at all. They have some level of leadership, obviously, to have gotten to where they're at but you're trying to share some best practices or to kind of tweak their um, behavior or their, the way that they're kind of presenting themselves. Is that what is uh, happening in the coaching session? You know, one of the things that I really love about coaching Lee is that uh, two things. Number one is I don't know how my client learns. So if I have five clients that I'm working with and they all need some kind of, quote, executive presence, they don't all learn the same way. So I need to be pretty flexible in how I'm going to deliver the content. That's one thing. But the other thing which I also love is, you know, executive presence isn't the same for every individual and it's not the same in every company. So, you know, with one person, I might be working on something like speed of thought, conciseness, being crisp that kind of thing. But with another person, I might be working on assertion or extroversion, you know, just speaking up more. So it it takes many different forms. It's not one size fits all. Uh, Did I, did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you're working with them, are you working, do you prefer to work in person or do you prefer to work virtually or does it matter in today's world? Wow, you know, I have really changed my mind about this. When I started, I always wanted to be in the room with people. And I live in Los Angeles, so, you know, sometimes that adds a 90-minute drive one way just to get, you know, 16 miles. Right. And, you know, a coaching session suddenly becomes a whole-day affair because I'm sitting on the road. That's still true. I do love being in the room with people, but... Technology has gotten so much better, and I coach people all over the world. So I'm doing a lot of work on Zoom right now, and it is very satisfying. And there are certain clients who like to talk on the phone. They, they think they take better notes that way. They actually think they stay a bit more focused that way because they're very auditory, and that's fine with me too. So uh, uh, my first preference is to be in the room with people, but it's not a deciding factor. It's not like, well, if I can't be in the room, I won't take the assignment. And um, over the years, I'm sure you've got some uh, great success stories. Do you mind sharing one that was rewarding for you? Uh, you know, obviously don't name their name, but like, tell me where they started. And then after coaching, tell me uh, maybe something impactful that they were able to achieve. Sure. Oh, yeah. So somebody who just popped into my mind, he was a chief technology officer for a big global consumer products company. And this guy was not the typical 
IT person. I think the kind of stereotypical IT person is a little nerdy, not terribly socialized, a little awkward. You know, you might think like, oh my gosh, is this guy on the spectrum somewhere? This guy was not that at all. He was incredibly personable, uh, very outgoing, articulate, very connected, emotionally intelligent, quite a surprise. And and very mature as a leader, like really smart and was leading his team quite well. And so as I was getting to know him, I thought, what are we like? Why am I coaching this guy? And by the way, he had just asked for coaching because he loved learning. He loved professional development. He loved personal growth. So I'm thinking, like, what do what do I need to work on with this guy? And what we needed to work on with him was assertion, what I called with him, what I called showing teeth really taking a firm stand, giving really direct feedback, managing up with a kind of uh, clarity, setting good boundaries. Because the truth is this guy was so compassionate that he often let things slide. He was very slow, for example, to manage one of his very problem leaders, one of the people who reported to him. He could not get this guy under control. And this guy had been kind of a loose cannon for several years. And it was actually damaging the chief technology officer's credibility. So that's what he and I were working on. And it was a real challenge for him. It, it really actually caused him stress and got him to lose some sleep. And we, over a period of a year, really he moved the needle so far. And uh, his CEO just celebrated the change because his CEO really saw it. So that was a Real success story, plus a real pleasure. It was just so much fun to work with this guy. Now, when you're working with these people at this kind of intimate level and really um, having them or giving them the confidence to make these changes, and uh, are you doing, are you using some role playing? Like, how are you getting them to feel safe and confident so when the time comes to have those difficult conversations that they feel prepared to have them? Well, I would say that there's three different pieces that come to mind in answer to that question. The first piece is I do a 360, a 360 feedback report that is almost entirely anecdotal. There's almost no data in it as in bars or graphs or percentages or any of that. It's anecdotal feedback. And we start with that. And that tends to be very, very powerful. I've been doing these reports. I've been using them since the early 90s. And one of the things that is just amazing about them, Lee, is that in one particular person's, hold on, in each particular person's feedback report, certain words get repeated. And considering that we have, I don't know, what, 300,000 words in the English language, when one or two words start getting repeated for this individual, it's really powerful to read. It's as if the respondents all kind of had collaborated together to send a message, which of course they did not. So that's number one is the feedback report really kind of breaks down barriers. When people start reading those kind of comments about themselves, it's hard not to become vulnerable. That's number one. Number two is I'm a big believer in unconditional positive regard. I am not coming in to tell you you're doing it wrong if you're my client. I'm not coming in to say that you've made a mistake. I'm not coming to say there's a problem here. I'm coming in to say, tell me your story because I'm really interested in getting to know you. Wow, that sounds fascinating. Or to be empathic and go like, wow, that sounds hard, whatever. But in other words, I'm not coming in 
as if I've got an agenda like I'm going to fix you. That's that. And then the third piece, you asked about role play and stuff. With that guy in particular, yeah, I find that a lot of times what people have not done is a real kind of focus on what's really going to happen. They think to themselves, well, I can't say that, whatever that is. Like, I can't give that piece of feedback to that loose cannon. And I said, well, what, what would happen if you did? And, of course, the CTO then will say to me, well, he'll go blah, 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 blah. Well, what happens if he says that? What would you say in response? And now we start kind of just letting him really think specifically what's real, what's just fearful, and we play it out. And that absolutely gives people a sense of confidence of like, oh, I, if that happened, I could manage that. Now, is there any difference? I know you mentor a lot of coaches. Is there any difference when you're kind of coaching the coach as opposed to coaching the executive? Well, sure, because, yeah. So when I'm coaching the executive, we have goals that usually have been set by the organization. And, and you know, executive coaching or corporate coaching has a triangle to it. It has the person who's being coached plus their organization and me, and that's the triangle. And that triangle needs to get managed. So we have, we're very kind of goal-oriented. When I'm mentoring people, uh, we're kind of aligned on the same side. There's no triangle at all. It's just me and that other coach. And we're kind of inside baseball. We're talking about the same thing. Even if it's a young coach, we're, we're trying to develop a set of skills to help others as opposed to, you know, kind of achieving a kind of professional development goal. I, um, I, I'd like to add one more piece to that, which is, look, as coaches, I think we always bring our own junk to the table. So whatever my bias is about what I think is good executive presence, let's say, I bring that to the table. And so I need to be careful about my own judgments and my own limitations, my own self-limiting beliefs. I need to be careful about that because I don't want to impose that on my client. I certainly listen for that with my mentor, the people that I mentor, but uh, that isn't always where I'm going to work with them unless that's the work they want to do. If that's the work they've been asking for, I will help them with that. But otherwise, you know, if they're coming to me and wanting to know things like how to grow their business or how to manage an, an internal client or that kind of thing, uh, I'm not necessarily going to go deep with them unless that's really what they want. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. Featuring our guest today, Tom Hinchel with Essential Communications, brought to you by the Business Radio X Studio Partner Program. To lock down your market and own your backyard, go to mybrxstudio.com. And now, Lee, my favorite part of the program, because we get to talk about me, right? That's it. <laughs> so, Tom, uh, Stone here. I am not out in the open marketplace um, offering coaching services to people from different firms, but I do wear that hat here at the Business Radio X Network. I am largely responsible for coaching our Business Radio X studio partners across the country. I thoroughly enjoy the work. I love talking with these folks. I, I really enjoy helping them use the platform to help others and make money. And I feel, uh, at the risk of sounding a little bit immodest, I feel like I'm very pretty darn knowledgeable about how to do all that. But I don't have any formal coaching 
education. And I do feel like sometimes I'm just out there sort of playing street ball. Um, so my question is this. I, you mentioned some organizations early in the conversation, or, or you mentioned an organization, ICF. You mentioned the concept of coaching certification. What's your take on getting some methodology, some professional designation, some structured education around the the skill set of, of coaching. Could you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Fascinating. So certification, I think, uh, first of all, uh, let's divide it up. There is coaching training and there is certification, and those are different. You can't get certified without training, but you can do training without certification, if that okay. makes sense. All right. So coach training is going to teach you a whole set of skills. What I find is that it is like a mechanic or a dentist or a lawyer or whatever or a therapist. Just because people are certified does not mean that they're good practitioners. It does not mean that they're somebody I would trust myself or my children or my family with, mm -hmm. right? So uh, certification is a helpful kind of uh, sorting tool for HR people or people who are shopping for a coach, it's helpful, but it doesn't mean that it's a good coach. What I heard you say in your story, Stone, and I'm not sure if this is right, but it's what I kind of heard is that you naturally know how to help people. You're a helper by nature. I think that's a critical kind of mindset for people who want to be coaches is, are they naturally helpers anyway? When I look back in my life, I'm aware that I was teaching in some form or another when I was in junior high school. And then when I was in high school, I actually taught junior high school. <laughs> I've always been a teacher. And I'm going to guess that if you and I got to talk some about this stone, I'm going to guess that you probably have some of that too, that you are a natural teacher. So we'll, coach training help you? Yes, it might. It might teach you a certain set of skills. It might give you some tools. Absolutely. Is it required? No. If you want to be an executive coach, is certification going to help you? It very well might, especially in these days that are where it's very competitive and people are hanging out their shingle every day, and we don't really know how to tell the good ones from the bad ones. Is that helpful? Well, it's very helpful. And I would like to think that I am that kind of person that wants to be helpful. And, and I do think I enjoy teaching or, or sharing. And I do want to try to be like this life learner. But uh, it sounds to, sounds to me like I should continue to try to develop my skill set, but I shouldn't stay up at night worrying that I don't have certain letters behind my name at this point. That's right. And listen, I'll, I'd like to tell you and your listeners about an amazing resource, which is uh, I belong to the International Coach Federation Los Angeles chapter that does free teleclasses. They are fantastic. They are free. People sign in from all over the world. You can just go to the ICF website. IC, I'm sorry, icfla.org, and they have the teleclasses on the website. Just register for free, and you'll learn all kinds of tools. So, you know, you can do that in your spare time. Well, thank you for that, and I will. Thank you very much. Yeah, they're great, by the way. I mean, really, great coaches teaching great stuff to other coaches, lively conversations. It's fun. Now, Tom, when you're mentoring coaches, do you see some mistakes that 
that over and over that they're making? Well, not over and over. I think it's very individual. You know, I don't think any two coaches are the same. Uh, but I, I find that people are often uh, – one of the things that I come up against all the time are people who have been coaching in their own practice, usually in kind of life coaching. And they would like to make the transition into business coaching or executive coaching or leadership coaching. And they just kind of cannot imagine how to do that. And that's a conversation that I have a lot over and over. Um, so that's one topic that comes up. I don't know if that's what you want to dive into, but that's one thing that I just find that I'm talking about a lot with people. Now, when you're working with them, do you recommend that they um, build their practice around a specific niche or do you, is it better to be a generalist? Are there some kind of um, tips you can share regarding how to, you know, grow your practice or build your practice? Sure. Those are two different questions to me. Uh, in terms of having a niche, I think so. I, uh, You know, one of the things that's in the world right now with people say to each other, I don't know if this is just among coaches, but I hear this all the time of what's your superpower? Meaning, what's your strength? And it's, uh, you know, strength-based coaching is actually a thing these days where you get people to do a strengths assessment. I think that that's one of the things that coaches need to know, too, is really what are you good at? What do you love doing? What do you love talking about? What do you love helping people with? And then if you can get a tool or an instrument or a language. So some people literally work with the book StrengthsFinders 2.0. That was the basis for their coaching work. Uh, I'm the look and sound of leadership guy or executive presence guy, right? That's how people think of me. That's been my superpower for 25 years. Uh, so, yes, I think having a niche gives you confidence. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're a hammer and everybody has a nail and you're only going to do that. But I do think it helps you talk about yourself and the gifts you bring and the service that you provide in a really helpful way. So yes, I do think finding that is good, is great. In terms of building your business, I think it's about networking. Now look, people build their networks in lots of different ways. Uh, I've got a podcast that I've been doing since 2008. So I'm 11 years into my podcast that's one way that I've built my network. There's people, again, all over the world who listen to my podcast, and so they think they know me. That's a gift, right? That's great. Some people are Instagrammers. Oh, wow, great, fantastic. Some people have really great blogs and websites. Some people just go to a lot of meetings and are in the world a lot. They network like crazy just physically. And by the way, I'm one of those people. I do that a lot. So I think we all get our work from people who think they know us. I think it's very rare that work drops completely out of the blue, like, oh, I just randomly found you somewhere. It's like, that doesn't happen. Or, you know, talking in the parking lot of the supermarket, it's like, that's not going to happen. But I do think it might happen, for example, at your kid's soccer game, standing next to someone, and they're talking about their work, and they say to you, what do you do? And you say, well, I'm an executive coach. I help leaders develop their executive presence, and they go, really? My sister-in-law should talk to you. Great. So I think you need to know people and build really powerful networks and then maintain the network, and that takes work. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's talk a little bit about your podcast, The Look and Sound of Leadership. Uh, you said 11th year, 
So that means you were yeah. do, you were doing podcasting before it was cool, before people even knew what podcasting <laughs> was. Um, right. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Um, how'd you get started? Why'd you get started? And what do you talk about on the show? So I've always loved to write. And back in 2005, when uh, you know I was looking to grow my business, I had the idea that I was going to send out once a month. An, uh, in in those days, it was it was an HTML email to my clients and people who had taken my courses, and it was only to people who had opted in. But I would send out something once a month. And this one this guy came up to me in 2008, and he said, "You know, I love those. They're called executive coaching tips." He said, "I love your coaching tips." Uh, I think you should do them as a podcast. And I said, just what you said. I said, what's a podcast? And he told me, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm all over that. I love working with my voice. I used to be a professional actor. I was like, I'm all over that. And literally within 30 days, I was up and running as a podcaster. And I had a backlog of material. So it was pretty easy for me to start up. My, my podcast episodes are pretty short. They're 20 minutes or less. Uh, these days, they're told as a little kind of story of me and a client or me and a coach having a conversation. So they're told literally like a little piece of radio theater and then some commentary. And they're always about one discipline, one tool, one thing that I coach people on. And it, it's like you get to listen in on a coaching conversation. So that's what the look and sound of leadership is these days. And then how often do you publish? Oh, once a month. I do it once a month. Once a yeah. month and you cover, um, like conversations or topics that you would cover in a coaching session and it's done as a, like kind of a, as I'm a voyeur listening, eavesdropping on the conversation. Yep. Yep. So yes, exactly. So, so it literally is, it's as if you were reading a short story in dialogue. Right. And, I, and I can listen to it while I'm driving instead of uh, reading it. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people talk about it, doing it on their commutes. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I love listening to podcasts that, and I'm in my car in Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm all the time. In the car. So yeah, so that's when I listen to podcasts. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. This has been such a pleasure. Um, again, if somebody wanted to learn more about your practice, um, listen to your podcast, what's the best way to uh, get in a hold of you? The podcast, as you said, is the look and sound of leadership and it's everywhere that podcasts are available. The, my company is called Essential Communications, and our website is EssentialCom.com. It's EssentialCom with two M's.com. Good stuff. Well, Tom, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. And this is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio.